My name is Dr. Jenna Ross with Renew Performance, and you are listening to the SME Stories Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having the show. we got a great episode today with Dr. Jenna Ross. Now, Dr. Jenna Ross is the owner and founder of Renew Performance. So a little bit about Dr. Jenna Ross. So she is a certified mental performance consultant and licensed mental health counselor. She is a veteran, a mom, and a pro bodybuilder. Her philosophy motto is the mind is the strongest muscle in the body. So I actually met Jenna Ross through a different podcast. I co-host is the Jaybird Watching Podcast, where uh, myself and the other co-hosts actually had her on to talk about sports psychology, specifically related to baseball, because this is about the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, since I'm from Toronto. So it's nice to actually have her on the show so we can talk more about not just running, that we've talked about coaching business in the past, but this is now this is more very specific to sports performance, but also personal performance as well. So we're going to be having a great time with Dr. Jenna Ross today. So sit back and absorb. All right. All right, guys, we have Dr. Jenna Ross with us. Dr. Ross, how are you? I'm doing good. Yes. It's, no, I'm kidding. I was going <laughs> oh, to my... give some, uh, I was going to give some awkward silence, but like, nah, we're not going to do awkward silence. I love so, that. <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Jenna Ross is actually coming to us from Arizona. So very hot in there. Yes. What's the temperature right now? Oh, gosh, right now it's great. But yesterday it was 80. Like I turned on my AC for a portion of the day. So um, convert that for us Canadians. What's 80? Yeah, yeah, 80. I don't know. What is that? You're 40 or something? <laughs> Definitely not 40. <laughs> not 40. I don't even know. I, we'll I say 20 something in the 20s, which is good. But I Ooh. still have snow outside. So, I mean, that's why it's like we're, you know, 80 oh, yeah. is nice. You oh know, yeah, but, no, uh, it's it's sunny and warm. It did rain. It rained, but that's rare. So, well, we're supposed to be expecting spring now, so that's going to be nice. And I'm looking forward to uh, when it is spring-like weather, because anything that's like double digits here in Canada, so it's like a positive 10 degrees Celsius. That to me, I joke that Canadians are like that's shorts weather. What are you talking about, right? That could be totally cold in in the states, but if it's double digits here, we're like good. You know, l- let's do it. So. All right. Renew Performance. Mm-hmm. What's your story? Yeah. So I own Renew Performance. I founded it uh, last year. It's actually now just hit a year. And I started it because I wanted to to really help people optimize their mindset. Um, I had gone to school for performance psychology, sport and performance psychology, and just really was fascinated with motivation and what drives people to be successful and so I primarily help athletes, um, but, you know, general population can also benefit from, from, you know, mental skills training, mental performance training. And, and so that's what I do. Um, I meet one-on-one. I also do a lot of educating and, and group sessions with teams and, and really figuring out like what the dynamic is and how can we kind of take it to the next level. So, Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And just for listeners to know, so Dr. Jenna Ross and I, we actually met just a few days prior because um, I do, for those who don't know, I actually do a second podcast called the Jaybird Watching Podcast. It's more about the Toronto Blue Jays baseball team. And uh, we had Dr. Jenna Ross there and my co-host brought her in to talk about uh, sports psychology and sports performance. 
about the high level, but also from the little league level, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of parents that have a lot of younger athletes and then trying to, you know, understand how the pressures of just trying to excel at your best, even at a, at a child level. So wow. it was really good. It was a very fun conversation. We had a lot of positive feedback on it. I think I saw one comment says, love the conversation. So I had to somehow sneak it in after that show to say, Dr. Ross, are you able to come on to my show as well? Yeah. <laughs> and thankfully, she said yes. So th that's yes. really great uh, to hear because sports psychologists and uh, performance coach, whatever you want to call it, a lot of people might think, well, how, how does this work from the business side? Well, mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how the, it's not just we might talk about some sports stuff as well, because I, I like sports as well. But, you know, that can help from even just a business owner's point of view, especially if you're starting out, especially in the, if you're in that paralysis by analysis phase of starting your own business. Right. Yes. Because do I do it? Do I invest the hundreds or thousands of dollars into it? And what happens during slow periods? So, you know, we're going to pick uh, Dr. Ross's brains and give us and she'll give us some practical stuff. If you want to meet with her, obviously, we'll definitely give her contact info yeah. and you can definitely reach out to her. So back yeah. to Renew Performance. So what yes. makes your particular practice really successful? Well, uh, that's what I've been trying to navigate and figure out myself. <clears throat> um, and to be honest, um, what you said, you know, about do I take the risk and do I... Do I jump full force in? Um, and a lot of people, you know, will tell you, well, why don't you go to an established practice already? Why don't you, you know, hop on board with somebody else who already has clients? And in, in, in my thought, my thought process, it's kind of been like, well, why, you know, I have the ability to do it myself. I just have to figure it out. And so um, just like anything, I think that you learn in life, you have to learn business. And the only way to learn that is doing it and, and jumping into it. And you're not going to know all the answers. So for me to say what's been successful is uh, what's helped me the most is just connecting with as many people as possible and, and really networking and getting to know people, um, whether they're in the sports realm or not, like they may know somebody, um, you know, and, and then it just comes up in conversation. So that's been my biggest thing so far. And my focus has been just to connect with as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what also Dr. Ross is also saying as well is that if some people are really that afraid, like there's no fault if you do want to, let's say you are a sports psychologist, your goal in the long term is to start your own private practice. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong about starting off, like you said, working with someone. So at least you can kind of see what mistakes they make that you kind of maybe can avoid yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think what we're saying is, yeah, it is scary at, at the beginning. But mm -hmm. uh, if, you, if you're a bit of a risk taker, because most entrepreneurs are risk takers, right? Because it's kind of mm -hmm. hard to be a passive entrepreneur unless you have a bucket load of money and you're just going <laughs> to buy a franchise and you're going to hire uh, a manager to run the, the business and you're just sitting there just counting your, counting your cash. Right. I, don't know, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what this is. This is not counting. This is, this, this, this is counting. And I'm showing with my hands here what I'm talking about. So, but uh, <laughs> yeah. anyways, ba back to that. So how would you... Um, what kind of like sales growth or profit are you expecting in the next year or two? Like are you expect to grow by a percentage of like a certain percent every year that your goal is? Yeah, honestly, right right now, um, my goal has just to, to get my feet underneath me as far as like what my kind of the, I guess the, uh, the flow of things, like what does it look like? You know, in, in my field, there's a lot of, I had to get certifications. I had to get a past tests to get all my licenses to be up and functioning. And, and that's been my last prior year. And now this year, it's kind of like, okay, we can 
I have some momentum. We can continue going with that and to really build out. So my hope is that a year from now, I will have um, interns and people that I mentor uh, because I, you know, as as many hours that you have in the week, you only have so many hours. So that limits, like tops out my business because, you know, I can't meet with more than what time allows for. So my hope is within the next year is to build clientele enough that, you know, now I'm, I can bring in some interns that, that actually um, would do that part of the service. Um, so that's kind of my goal. And, and we're pretty close to it. Um, if we stay on track, if I stay on track where I'm at right now, um, then at, in another year from now, it would get to that level. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Because like you said, you're in the beginning phases and you're doing really well as Ray. So it's it's always trying to get your feet under you just to figure out how the processes are going to work, especially if you're starting from scratch, right? Like it's not like you bought a manual that says, okay, here's how you run your sports psychologist clinic. You know, as much as there are some of those, uh, those what do you call those, those for dummies kind of books where it's like how to start certain businesses and stuff like that. But uh-huh. with sports, with psychology in general, it's a bit different in a way, yeah. right? Because there may be certain things that are similar, like, okay, you got to pay the bills and marketing, all this sort of stuff. But the actual service itself, it's very hands-on and it's true. You're limited by the amount of people you can see, right? Uh-huh. So but the, I think uh-huh. the biggest challenge that you might start off with, and just in general for anyone who starts off is that when you start landing those clients, they're going to want you, right? Uh-huh. So that's how to wean them off by what Dr. Jen is saying about bringing in interns or other people that's going to be on staff, you know, is to, is to build that relationship that you can easily pass them off to someone else because so she can focus more on building her business as opposed to what they say being running the business or whatever you yeah. want to call it, that, that, that phrase that we keep hearing. Right. Yeah. So, Cause it's, I mean, it's a lot like you think about it and this is something they don't teach you. You know, you spend so uh, five years to get my doctorate degree and they don't talk about, business. Like there is no business class that I had to take and, or any of that. And you, you don't realize, you know, you are doing the marketing, you are doing financial projections, you are doing all of those other components of running a business. And yet you still have to do what your job actually is. And so, yeah, so it's a lot. So eventually you get to the place that you can now bring in other people that do that for you. Um, and, and that's what, you know, it's kind of looking at what components can I, can I bring somebody in for the marketing? Can I bring somebody in for, you know, even just the scheduling, like things like that, that really do take up a lot of your time, um, so that you can maximize your business growth because otherwise it's, you stall out eventually. There's not room for expansion unless you do bring in those other people, but you have to get to the place of being able to do that, um, financially and everything. So how big of a staff are you looking for? In a perfect world, Dr. Ross, if it was up to you, how many staff would you have so you can really focus on other parts of the business? What's your what's your magic number? Well, um, right now it would probably be about five, right? Like I, w- I would love to have a group of, of mentor or mentees, I should say, because I would be their mentor, um, that really conduct the uh, the, the sessions with the clients and whatnot. Um, obviously I supervise that. So that would entail some of my time. Um, and then, you know, one or two people that can do the marketing aspect, um, because social media takes up a lot of time 
um, yes. putting content out there. Like I would love to just uh, build out, you know, some programs and some content and, and whatnot to have that up and running. But at this stage of the game, it's like, I don't have a meeting with clients and I don't have the necessary time. So you're, you're kind of balancing both. So, but I would love to have a team of between five and 10 people that, that I work with. Yeah, no, I agree. I would love to have, like you said, a team of like even three to five, right? I mean, I have mm -hmm. a, I have an editor right now that can edit the videos and put out the social media, which is great, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's all the promotional stuff. Because in a perfect world, my perfect workflow, Dr. Ross, is I get to do this part, the fun part, yeah. which is mm -hmm. talking and chatting with people about their stories, hand the video off to my video editor, hand it off to my social media person. They do that get the person who's actually in charge of marketing to build the podcast and the YouTube channel and all that sort of stuff. And all I get to do is the fun stuff like this, but you know, you have to, yes. it's baby steps because like you said, mm -hmm. you need to make sure you, you do well. So how would you define your clients in terms of what's the breakdown between athletes to, I'll just say regular people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of have uh, established a, a little bit of a, a niche. I would say as far as my primary clients is, uh, probably 75% is high school athletes, um, which with with the high school athlete, obviously there's parents involved, you know, and so that's a, a big part of it. And then the other, you know, 25%, I would say is general population, people looking for, for more of a coaching instead of a consulting uh, type of service. And then I also do mental health counseling. So that's kind of even in its own separate component. Um, I don't really, you know, that's, that's kind of like my baseline. Um, but renew performance is all about the consulting and the, in the coaching. So it's kind of 75, 25, I would say, as far as those that are actual athletes versus those that are, um, m maybe not athletic, but maybe from the standpoint of business, um, or just really looking to kind of take, they feel stuck and they want to take it to the next level. So yeah, that's exactly. kind of the breakdown. Pretty much. Great. So yeah, we'll definitely get to our tips in the pro segment for people who want to follow in your footsteps about how should they kind of approach their practice, right? If they want to either get into your practice or just, like you said, just general business owners looking for just some tips or tricks that uh, they can do that, uh, you know, to help them kind of if they're stuck, right? Because everyone gets yes. stuck at some way, shape or form. So, okay. So let me talk about this. So now question for this one is, so when you're running your practice, what do you find as, actually, you know, before I'll even backtrack that. What got you into this whole thing of sports psychology and performance? Um, well, yeah. Because so, for those listeners who read the intro, you know, she's a veteran. So thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. She's a bodybuilder. And she's like, a, and she, did I correct me? You were a drill sergeant, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So she is highly motivated. So what what got to this whole thing? Was it, uh, when did you realize that I want to do my yeah. own thing as a, you know, yeah. sports performance well, or performance coach? Yeah, it kind of evolved. Um, it started out with me searching for just that I wanted to get a master's degree, right? I have my undergrad in biology, and that's just a pretty much useless degree to have. And so I spent years, you know, while I was, um, you know, building my family and having kids of, of this idea of I wanted to get a master's degree, but I didn't know what, like, what if I was going to go back and invest the time and the money, um, what would I do? And then I had the opportunity in the military to attend uh, Drill Sergeant Academy back in, this was 2015. And they had performance psychologists come and talk to us about how to train recruits and whatnot. And 
I was just like fascinated. I had never heard of this field. I, I wanted to know more about it. So I started looking into, you know, what schools that was what I wanted to pursue. I finally found it. And so I started looking into everything and uh, found a, a university that offered the program that I wanted. And so my intent at that time was just master's degree. That's all I was really thinking about. And I ended up loving it so much. And then the director of the program, she said, you know, we have a doctorate program you can do and specialize in mental health. And so when I, you know, have been doing my master's degree, I really kind of came to the conclusion that you can't address performance without being able to address mental health too. And so that's when I decided, you know what, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to, you know, put my head down and work for the next five years. Or it was at that point, three more years of schooling that I had to do. And so, yeah. So then it just grew. And then uh, my time in the military, it's funny because everything just kind of timed. It, it, the timing was really good. And uh, my contract in the military was ending and I was graduating at the same time. And so um, I've just always been kind of that person that's, like you said, entrepreneurs are risk takers. That uh, I like to be challenged. Obviously, you know, the things I've done, I, I love being challenged in that way. And so this was kind of the next step for me in that uh, was, you know, why not just start my own business? Why not start my own practice and and see what happens? And so here I am. There you are. So, I mean, before we get back into your business, just a quick question. So when people think drill sergeants, I'm sure they have some preconceived notions. So what is it kind of like? Because I guess for some people, when they see any movie or they see some documentaries of people going through, let's say, the military and you see the the angry drill sergeant and all that sort of stuff. Like, is there anything that the public generally doesn't see? There's like a method behind the madness. It's not literally just them yelling at you all the time, right? So can yes. you give a little sneak peek without people, without obviously divulging too much about what is it that the drill sergeant is actually doing that uh, most people don't even realize? Oh, yeah. Um, it's definitely being able to instill that that confidence in people. Um, but in order to do that, you kind of have to break them down in a way that is, they're going to be rebuilt, right? Like a lot of, and two, it's, I think it's generally, gen, uh, like the generation of people that we're working with right now, um, you know, 18 to 25 is the typical age range. Um, just, you know, that mental toughness is not there. And so it's really kind of about building that mental toughness and building their, their belief in themselves to be challenged. Um, and so a lot of drill sergeants, like, uh, have different approaches. Some are the yell in your face type and that works for them. Um, and, and they can flip on a switch too. It's kind of like, okay, I put on that hat and this is who I am. Um, so it's kind of that role that they play, whereas they take off the hat and they're a real person. Right. And, and we forget that. Um, my approach was a little bit different. I used to be kind of that yeller. And then as I had my own kids and I started to like, see, you know, these young kids, I started to have a little bit of sympathy and empathy for them. And I was going to ask you about that because of your two young daughters. So I was yeah. Like... And so it really yelling, yelling and that approach kind of became hard for me. So I took on more of approach of teaching. Like, yes, if you're doing something wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to point it out. But the other flip side of that is I want you to learn from it and I want you to grow from it. Um, and so that's really kind of the heart of the drill sergeant, I think, is they want you to grow and they want you to realize your own potential. And sometimes it takes somebody to push you into that for you to realize it. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and some people might think, oh, it's too harsh. But you have to understand, for those in the military, they're putting themselves in harm's way, right? So literally, um, if, if they're doing something wrong, it could cost that soldier their life or their team member's life, right? And that is a big thing for, you don't want to go through that, right? So yeah. that's why they ha it has to be tough. So if you want to move on to, I think, the special forces, even way harder in that case yes. as well. So just yeah. getting just to the military is tough enough. Trying mm -hmm. to get to that next level, woof. And and, yeah. and just la last question on the military. How long were you in the military for? So it was a total of 13 years. Uh, 12 of it, I was active duty. So I spent, you know, I was in the uh, Army National Guard. So I spent a, my first year was kind of the, what we call M-Day is the one week in a month. Um, and then I came on active duty orders and just stayed. And, and that was never my intent when I joined. Uh, my intent was to do my six years and then leave. And then it ended up, you know, one one thing led to another. And yeah, but you you talk about being able to perform under pressure. And that's really what it's all about is you have the opportunity to, as even as a drill sergeant or just in the military in general, is you're going to be under high pressure situations and you have to learn how to respond and respond to, to that stress and respond in a way that's not going to get people killed or hurt. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was a really good experience. I'm definitely grateful for for all of it. No, that's great. So now yeah. back to, so now we're transitioning. So now mm -hmm. she wants to start her own business, Dr. Ross. And then next yeah. thing she knows, there's all these bills coming in and expenses. What's your biggest expense that you have to deal with, Dr. Ross? It's it's interesting because my business is very, like, obviously I can do a lot of my stuff from from virtual virtually, right? Like I don't necessarily have to have an office at this point. Um, I did for a short period, but I realized that was not, you know, conducive to building a business at this point. I needed to uh, do some other things first. And so I, right now, my, my biggest expense is my own, my own living costs, my mortgage, um, <laughs> you know, and it, and it really doesn't, it, it's not really that much when you think in perspective of, of what a business could be, you know, it, it's not like I have a brick and mortar. It's not like I have uh, products, tangible products that I have to have, um, you know, so, so it's really kind of just the, the marketing, um, uh, that that's about it. So, you know, I worked with a business coach and I still do occasionally from time to time. And it was kind of figuring out like where you're at financially, um, what your big, biggest expense is. And for me, it's me, it's, it's having to pay me to then pay for my mortgage and all of that, if that makes sense. No, it's, it's, it's great. I think that's some of the things that people don't see when it comes to, because I think for anyone in the coaching practice, they might think, oh, all you need is just a computer and maybe a webcam and, 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 a, and a phone maybe, and that's all you really need. But there is other things you have to realize, right? Because you're going to be spending a lot more money on utilities, because even if you're at your home office, your thing might be on almost 24 hours a day, right? Like whether it's your computers or whatever, right? So you'd be surprised all the things that add up. And, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you're paying for you to have your own coach as well. So it's not like you're going in by yourself and I'm just going to do everything. You actually still lean on those that, that have specialties and especially for business coaching and other stuff, right? Yes. Yes. And I, I was fortunate enough that I came across a program out here in Arizona that does, um, 15 sessions of business coaching. So you get 15 sessions um, entirely free uh, through the Maricopa County Small Business Association. So 
I stumbled upon that and was fortunate enough to become involved in that. Um, there was a time frame too for it. I think it expires like August this year or something like that. But it it's a program to encourage small businesses um, because otherwise you're just kind of, you're out there flailing in the wind and have no idea what's happening, right? And you really need somebody to come in and be like, okay, like what's your, you know, what's your business plan look like? And I had already done a business plan. So we just kind of took it and refined it. Um, and then talking about financial projections and figuring out month to month where you want to be. And yeah, the, the biggest thing was having that person to kind of bounce things off of, right? Because otherwise you're just like you're all up in your head and it can be very uh, discouraging at some at some points um, when you're like, man, I just don't know which direction to take. Uh, so having that business coach was definitely super helpful to to just have that ear to talk to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you could you could talk to your kids. I don't know how much yes. value they can really give to you. You can try your significant other. Like my wife, Mrs. K, like if I ask her a business question, her eyes just glaze over. Yes. Right. So, you know, I'm like, so yeah, what do you think of this marketing thing that I'm thinking of doing? She's like, sure. <laughs> Any feedback? Yeah. None. Does it cost money? I said, yeah. Too much money. <laughs> that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty much all it'll it'll sound like when I talk to her yeah. about business stuff. So it's nice to talk to other is, other owners and other people in your field, yes. which definitely helps. So yeah. let's talk about the actual industry that you're in now. So in your opinion, how is the current, whether it's sports performance or just mental performance coaching industry, where do you think the direction is going right now? Uh, it's funny because we talk about this, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I teach psychology, uh, sports psychology at one of the universities here. So we were talking about this and, uh, the field that I'm in is still fairly new, like in a lot of different aspects, um, sports psychology, mental performance is really, I think it's starting to catch fire. I think people are starting to recognize that this is a real need. Um, and you see it at the professional level, um, you know, pretty regularly, right? Like all of the professional teams have it, the Olympics have it, like, but it's now getting to the point where I think it's trickling down to colleges, um, to high schools, uh, but it also comes back to funding for it. And uh, there's not a lot of funding that people have, but, you know, you look at the college level and that's one of their main challenges is where do we where do we find the budget to pay people like this to come in? Um, so yeah, it's, you guys aren't cheap, right? Cause you have no. all your training, all your expertise, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're not doing it for free. Right. So no. to tell yeah. someone, Oh yeah, it's going to cost this much, this magic figure here. They're like, Whoa. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you as the owner, you find ways to work around certain things, right. Dep yeah. Depending on the budget, you, you work way around it, but sorry, yeah. continue. Yeah. You can definitely be flexible in, in that, um, regard, but it is, uh, definitely growing. The industry is growing a lot, um, and expanding. Um, and that's why, like, I love doing a, a podcast or anything like that. Cause it's really spreading the word and it's about educating people on this as, you know, it's a up and coming field that this is something that not only benefits you as an athlete, but it's about life in general and life beyond the sport. And I know we kind of talked about that on the uh, podcast we just did, but it it is so much more than investing in just you as an athlete. It's like, okay, these are tools and skills that are going to help you with life. Um, and so I think once people kind of catch on to that, uh, it's it's only going to grow even further. 
Yeah, no, exactly. It's a very interesting industry, right? Because I think when the first time I ever heard of sports psychology at all was, um, you ever watch the UFC? Or you're, you're familiar with the UFC, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So this is probably back around 2000 and, oh, I'm trying to remember. So the greatest mixed martial artist for those who've watched the UFC was in Canada was George St. Pierre, right? So he was a guy from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, world champion. And he was kind of like, he was buzzsawing through almost everybody in the UFC, right? And his background was karate. That's how he started. And then became a black belt jujitsu. His wrestling was really good and all that sort of stuff. So anyways, he goes in, he goes through this, he goes through this journey. He hits a title fight. He loses it to, uh, to the champion. Then he worked his way back and he beat that champion, right? And everyone was happy. George was like, oh, that's the greatest thing. His first title defense. So I guess for a lot of people, it's different when from winning a championship to keeping the championship, right? So he goes into this first fight. He fights a huge underdog because I guess the UFC had this TV series called The Ultimate Fighter, right? So it used to be like people you've never heard of trying to get into the UFC. Well, now they had a one called, I think I forgot what it was called, but it was UFC where they brought in previous UFC fighters that were there, but for some reason they didn't become champion or, you know, they went on a losing streak and they got out of the UFC. So they decided to bring in some, bring these guys back to try to fight a, for a contract to get in. So the winner was going to get George St. Pierre. And he was a New York guy. He was a small guy, maybe my height, but he had like rocks in his hands that he can knock anyone out. He knocks George St. Pierre out in his first title defense. And everyone was looking at this fight. They're saying, oh, George is going to win. There's no way he'd lose. He lost. And he's that the first time I heard of it is that when he was coming back, he mentioned in interviews he was starting to go to a sports psychologist. So this could have been like 2006, 2008 mm -hmm. for all I know. So I was like, that's the first time I ever heard of it. I was like, really? I didn't think about stuff like that. It, it's, it's weird to hear that. Yeah. But the fact that the industry is growing up, because if you look at uh, like my wife and I are big tennis fans. So sometimes I'll just watch and then, you know, they have like these tennis camps, like the IMG Academy. I don't know if you're familiar with that mm -hmm. for like very specific mm -hmm. sports. And they have all these sports psychologists there and you're like, Oh, wow, it's even getting to like even the younger levels. Yes. So it, it, so Dr. Ross is correct. It is growing in there. But I think that stigma that people have to realize that it's not just for athletes. I mean, yes, it does. If you say, if you use the word sport, then yes, you think it's only for sports, but it can really benefit anybody yes. who's stuck, which I think is really great. Is that one of the misconceptions you think of when you talk to potential prospects that they say, well, I'm not really an athlete. Mm -hmm. I'm not really playing sports, but... Do you, can you still help me? Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's a huge misconception. And even I've had to figure this out in, you know, when you're in business, right? It's kind of like everyone tells you to do that. What's your two minute elevator pitch? Like, who are you? Like, what would you say? And right. And you figure out what you're going to say and all the things that, that, you know, you do in a, in a way that people can understand. And uh, that's why kind of side note on that, why networking is super important is because you figure out how to tailor what that that pitch is going to clearly understand what you do. Um, and so I think it is a huge misconception when you pair the term sports psychology together, people think I have to be an athlete. Um, whereas if I say mental performance training, it's kind of like, okay, that can apply to anybody. You don't necessarily have to be in sports. Um, and it takes away, I think, the stigma of psychology, which a lot of people think, oh, it's going to be talking to a shrink and I'm going to have to talk about my trauma my and all and, my, yeah. yeah, my feelings and my past and all this stuff that they don't want to bring up. And it's, if you take it from, from the perspective of it's mental performance skills. So 
whatever that might be, building confidence, your self-talk, you know, focus, motivation. There's all these different kind of areas that we work on and, and really figuring out what works for that person, uh, whether they're in sports or not in sports, you know, it, just in life, what will help them. Nice. All right. Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That's northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories Podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.